What's good, Internet? And welcome to session 56 of Super GG Radio, where friends chat about video games and all things adjacent. I am your host and perfect prince of platforming puzzles, Alex Arona. Jeez, give me a lot of peas in that one. Steve's gonna be pissed. Uh, with me this week, as always, is future Gears of War superfan Joel DeWitt. We keep calling you a superfan. Uh, but looks like Getty's finally picked our uh, video game homework for us. It's gonna be a while before I can finish that. I don't play that in front of Kelly. She's prejudiced against dude bros. Oof, rough. <laughs> just tell her that aliens are just really ugly people. Also with us this week is our pet indie pusher, Eric Getty Gettinger. Man, I'm still with the peas. Uh, is there a pet game you would not be interested in? Bug related. Did you get Milo's quest yet? It's totally a tactics game. How much was it? Five bucks. Maybe, that's, that's a steep price point for that game. I'll, I'll think about it. Is it a Zelda light? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. We'll have to figure that out. Uh, but another guest for our March Guest Madness, a fellow podcaster and gamer visiting us from Gaming Fix, Pat. What's good, Pat? Hello. I'm coming to you from my uh, beautiful Seattle, Washington quarantine shelter right now. Uh, so we have hatches batten down. Uh, how many bottles of water you got? And toilet paper. Uh, plenty of toilet paper and um, people don't need bottled water. We tap water's fine the water's fine corona's not in the water but corona's in bottles no but people's going people are going crazy about bottled water too so yeah yeah the uh what's that super expensive brand of water water Zani? there's there's a lot of expensive waters joel (laughs) no but like there there's evian Fiji, Fiji's not that bad. Fiji's not bad. There's, it's it's weird, but there. Oh, like Voss? You mean Voss? So, yeah, Smart something like water that. Is but like that, that is the only water I'm seeing left at shelves in my area. I think it's a ritzy one. Also, glass yeah. bottles. Also, Andre said we keep you, and he gets Joel. He doesn't want me. You don't know that. <laughs> you you don't want me. That's that's I true. I don't know if you guys want me. It was a fair trade. Everybody loses. <laughs> Uh, this week, I get freaked out in the space station in the backlog blog. We get ultra ultra violent in early adopters and make another couple passes at the news before we get to know Pat a little better. But first, early adopters, where we play alphas, betas, and where we throw down and bro down. Joel, this week, you, you had been working on a game, Blood Roots. Yes. It was quite a colorful indie... What would you... Beat, beat him up? Uh, actually, you know, strangely enough, the closest thing I could compare this to in a way is Hotline Miami. Hmm. hmm. Okay. When, when it comes to, when it comes to the gameplay itself, so uh, Blood Roots is this sort of top down ish. Most of the time, it's playing more of like an isometric view, sort of run and hack and slash game, and each level of the game is comprised of these different areas that are constrained and fenced in but there are different lanes of roads and stuff that are intertwining with different enemies littered all about and you are playing this sort of barbarian warrior type that similarly the hotline miami you've got like a hood of an animal head on you and then you can find collectible other animal heads as you go on and then you uh run across these lanes and have to pick off every enemy that you run across and clear the area before you are allowed to do it on. Okay. 
while you're going through these different lanes, like there are weapons and items and stuff littered about. So you have a basic punch here, but it's it's kind of you have to be really precise. And then also you pause for long enough where another enemy could come out and knock you off. And the weapons and items allow you to much more smoothly go from enemy to enemy to enemy and chain hit these bad guys. What off. kind of weapons? Do they break? But, uh, they have a durability. Uh, most of them are between two or three hits, and there'll be different things like uh, axes will have a sort of heftier hit down. They've got swords that have a sort of uh, thrust that really moves you and propels you across. Guns, and also these sort of joke ones too. So like, you can put a fish on a stick, and please. No, just just oh. a fish, <laughs> and you'll you'll go up to the enemy, and instead of hitting him with the fish. You jump up and just, like, engulf the guy's head inside the fish and let go. And then he does, like, a, a Looney Tunes kind of, like, running around and screaming before he falls over and keels over. So it's almost like a custom animation per weapon. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like, each individual weapon has a different attribute and uh, efficacy. Because, like, the, the normal actual weapon weapons are pretty one-and-done in terms of killing them. Yeah. But then there will be things like... Uh, pots or bottles that or like a hay bale where you'll hit them but it just sort of stuns them a lot enough to where you can kill them with your hand okay uh there's also environmental stuff throughout these different levels too where like it can sort of cause a chain of like rube goldberg type type events where it'll be like a barrel and if you jump on the barrel you'll start doing the sort of running on it to propel it forward and then you can hit the jump button, and it'll do sort of like the kick the barrel forward to knock him off that way. Or if you don't have a dab in front of you, you can just keep running, and you'll just be able to trample over several of the dice too before jumping off it. Or similarly, there's like a, a hay rack that you can jump on, and what happens is that the hay rack uh, will just move forward and can knock over until dies, but also knock over in, in the like wall or something like that. And there are like things like fires, like campfires sometimes in certain levels. And in those levels, if you pick up like a hay bale, it'll catch fire. And then you can run across and where, there, where there's grass on the ground, that'll catch fire. And if people are on that space, they'll catch fire and die from it. Gory. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, so it, it feels like when I, when I compared it to Highline Miami, I guess the, the main thing was that these levels, you have to be pretty quick and react, or even not even react, but like you can strategically figure out the best way to dispatch enemies in succession in a way that is effective and efficient. And if you don't do that, that you get immediately in danger of being knocked off. And when you get knocked off and killed, it does the same thing where it'll sort of respawn you back from the beginning. Or in this case, it's checkpointed off in different segments in each level. So sounds like a, sounds like you're kind of moving fast and trying to hit the combos of you know kill this enemy, grab a new weapon, kill this enemy. So it, that you know that does sound like Hotline Miami. How successful have you yeah. been? Yeah, uh, you know, it's been sort of like a, a slow burn of a level to get done, kind of like you would in Hotline Miami. It is a little more forgiving than that game, though. In that like. There's so many weapons and items that can help you if you find yourself making a mistake that can save you or spare you. 
uh, Highline Miami, it felt like weapons and items were very strategically placed to be like, this is really the only one true path we envisioned you want it, being able to be successful in. And, and this one, you can you can improvise a little bit if something goes awry and, and spare yourselves more often than not. So, mm-hmm. like it's it's still kind of trial error, trial error. And there are specific lanes that you go through, can go through. That's like the most efficient route. But if you go against that route, you can kind of still push through it and brute force your way through. So like, I, I think it, it. If you want something that's a little more forgiving, uh, allows you to sort of explore and try things at different ways, where you feel like it's still feasible to succeed if you fail the first time. I think it's uh, doing well by that premise. And like the the visual style too, I want to touch upon real quick. Like the basic character models that they choose, and, and the the art style doesn't really grab me. Uh, part of it, I guess, is because the enemies are all pretty samey. They're these guys that are just big, brutish looking like uh, soldiers and stuff with very similar costumes throughout. There is a nice color contrast between the backdrop and the characters that pops in a nice way otherwise. And uh, they do some cool stylistic things in some levels where one was in nighttime. And when you start, you're a black silhouette Mm -hmm. walking around. Yeah. And as you get through each different checkpoint, they show your character looking stained red up and down and bloodied more and more as you're getting through this level. So, like, they do some neat visual touches too but uh it it doesn't but it does kind of right it keeps like a cartoony a little bit of like a cartoony vibe to it though right it does i mean and it's it's contrasted with uh, a pretty bloody violent thing happening each time you um slice or kill somebody and like one other nice visual flair thing they do is that if it's the last kill in a zone before you move on to the next zone they will do a little like a cutscene of your guy doing a like very almost uh, action film kill move and then uh, flare, you know, before they move you on to that segment. So it's like really clever in that way too. Okay. Now uh, I add another question. The from what I saw, the visual style it'll and 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 just and the way the storytelling was, it had almost like a cultural feel to it. Like is a little bit. Is there a cultural yeah. like reference for it? Like it's trying to give off like a oh this is these type of people or something like well, that. Like Norse. Yeah. It. I mean, it kind of mm-hmm. looked like it from the art style, or at least from the character designs. I. You're being weird. Well, no, it's more the fact <laughs> that the act. The, right. Thanks. <laughs> no, the. It reminded me a little like guacamole, and guacamole very much went on the Mexican culture. And brought up a lot of it, and then I remember watching cutscenes for Bloodroots and seeing some of the gameplay, and their accents are very heavily, in, like the, the the accents are not hidden. It's very much. It sounds like some of these people have very heavy accents, and it sounds like the music and the tone and the story is all referencing uh, something, some a very specific culture, and that's what I was more curious about. Norse. Uh, the the fact that I can't answer it, it's probably more a reflection on my absence of knowledge on mm-hmm. that but I, I mean there is i do kind of agree with jetty like I, I guess just sort of the framing of the characters looks a little bit that way and but like the main character almost has a dwarvish kind of 
look to him as well. And and Woodsman is really kind of the the closest thing I can really get to in, in thinking that there's a, a visual you know, character style they went with. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, some of the landscapes do have kind of an Aztecian backdrop in it, but I'm not sure if that's really a culture pull or more like the color palette they went with. Yeah, see, but, that's what I couldn't tell. That's where I was more curious about. Yeah, I, I'm not quite sure. It looks like they're going for like a Wild West sort of thing. It says on their, on like the Steam page for it, it references Weird West, which is like Wild Western stuff mixed with some fantasy or horror Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that level of space I was talking about, it almost has kind of an Arizonian landscape. Yeah, very southwestern looking. Yeah. Oh, maybe this actually happened in Arizona then. What? <laughs> you guys ever been to Arizona? <laughs> no. Okay. And that there makes, you go. It, that it, it makes it impossible to refute you. <laughs> Thank you. All right, so that was Blood Roots. Now, Pat, you had mentioned two games. Did you want to pick one or the other did you want to go into both because i i I have spellbreak i'm familiar with legends of runeterra i am not i think like you you said you guys talked about spellbreak a bit once before is that talked about it many times before no i think that was our first ever episode was that i don't have to go into super deep detail on it just to say more that like i was originally interested in the idea and then played the closed uh, beta last year, around October, I think it was, and was not impressed with how the game felt. Like, I was pretty bummed out. I didn't really like how it looked. I didn't really like how it uh-huh. felt. Um, and I just kind of let it go. But they recently released a, their big, like, closed beta 2 update. Yeah. And um, I think if you had a similar reaction to me and were in the closed beta and didn't really enjoy it, um, the this new update like overhauled a lot of systems and it made the game feel totally different um so i think it like it's a huge overhaul and i actually like recommend it now and you know if you're if you're into battle royales and want something a little bit different i think it's something to be excited about now whereas last year i liked the idea and then was pretty disappointed when i actually got my hands on it but um it's there's not a lot of like it's it's all really just very game feel stuff it just feels better to move around and use the spells and um and and it just overall and it looks better um so i i don't think there's anything too specific to talk about there just that i'd give it another look if you uh, if if you still have an interest in it because it got a lot better funny enough i we we that was like the first beta test that we ever got into was Spellbreak back in february 2019 and I liked it a lot, and I had a lot of fun with it. And then we kind of both went away from it. And then I played it for uh, a stream, Multiplayer Mondays, and it was laggy, it was floaty, yeah. and it took five minutes to f- like find a match. It just, yep, yep. I was having a lot of problems with it, and I just said, I don't, I don't need to play this anymore. So you telling me that it has improved significantly is enough for me because the concept originally with having these gauntlets, having armor pieces, having these abilities to change your cooldowns, combining your spells to, you know, make a make a poison explosion or make you know a, you know a lightning storm, just these kinds of things. Yeah, it's it's a really good concept for me that I think that I'd be into. If I have any criticisms of it at this point, it's I mean it all feels really good now. It's just um, I wish I almost wish there were more spells. Um, there's, it's not that there aren't 
a lot of them there's like several different ones and they they each level up and stuff and they each have a primary and a secondary fire and everything so like there's plenty there it's just i would like to see even more of that stuff uh because i think there's a lot of it's a really cool concept and there's a lot of potential there for them to continue to expand on it but um but it's it's fun now and i recommend it for sure i would even say like if you really want to play it and haven't gotten uh invitation um there's like a twenty dollar founders pack that i would probably say is worth it at this point because the games are a little snappier to get into it's less floaty there's not the same kind of lag so yeah it's it's pretty cool awesome i think getty has is the only one that hasn't played that yet getty did you end up what? giving it a shot or no no <laughs> you got in you no doing? no i i haven't tried Listen, I I got a very tight schedule of commitments that I have to adhere to. Pat, I don't know if you've heard, but we did the numbers. Getty is averaging 4.6 games a month beating. It's three months into the year. Calm down. (laughs) (laughs) He's currently going through what you're currently in. Was it? uh, What were you just playing? When? Well, Slay the Spire. Slay the Spire, yeah. Which you almost beat within your first run. Uh, I on my second run with the first character, I I made it to the last uh, boss, and then uh, I've been having trouble with the second character, the rogue. But the robot, I am God. I can't believe this is turning into Slay the Spire talk. Um, I have gotten a couple of areas before the last boss, and ultimately had to start over. So. You know, I'm pretty sure all road lights just have a random number generator in the background deciding whether or not it's going to be the run you win or Well, not. you can... You know what? It, <laughs> this has the seed code so that you can play the same run. Well, hold on. Our, our you know, resident, that actually is a nice feature. Our resident rogue yeah. expert sent me a little factoid that he thought might be good for us to know. It's only a roguelike if it comes from the roguelike region of France. Otherwise, it's just no. sparkling RNG. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> he didn't actually say that, did he? No, he did. He did. He, he literally sent me that text like like five minutes. You ago. know what? That's great. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you know that I, I was that was bad until you shared that that was an actual like there there was a journey there where I was worried you were actually going to give us a factoid, <laughs> and, and then you tried to pivot it into a joke, oh, yeah, and then it went back up to being an actual thing that was sent to you. And it became fun. Come on, Joel. Yeah, so. You know that we're not a legitimate source for news or entertainment. <laughs> okay, hold on. Back to the point here. Legends of Runeterra. Tell me about... Yeah, so speaking of card yes. games... All right. Uh, I'm I'm also a pretty big Slay the Spire fan. Um, but of a different... Card games of a different sort. Um, have you guys played Hearthstone yes. before? Yes. A tiny bit. Alex okay. hates it. Um, so... I also hate it. I like um, I like that one. Do you? Oh, that's right, because of the mana thing. Okay. Yes. Uh, I am a pretty huge fan of physical card games and like tabletop games in general. Um, and originally, when Hearthstone came out, I was super, super, super into it um, as because it was like you know one of the first ways to play a trading card game uh, digitally. But um, over time, I just think it's like the balance is not very good in that game and the way that they've. Uh, developed it over time just didn't work for me so um i kind of moved around between a bunch of different games uh different card games but legends of runeterra which is uh the 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 new still in beta um digital trading card game from riot games uh entered beta i think it's now like a month and a half two months ago which feels like 10 years ago but uh it's been out for a little bit 
Uh, and it is a really, really cool refinement of a lot of the ideas that, uh, that Hearthstone, um, implemented. Uh, it still has the same kind of mana system that Hearthstone has where you don't, you just gain energy over the course of the game to play cards with. That's what uh, I like. But it is, yeah, but it's based on, in fact, like even has a cool system where like, uh, there's, there's unit cards and spell cards. Those are kind of the two main divisions between the different kinds of cards in the game. Um, and you can bank up to three of your mana per turn um, to a spell mana bank mm-hmm. that is saved and 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 uh, reserved for casting spells on your next turn. So it even has things like you can make cool strategies where maybe you don't plan to play cards on your first turn and you want to just bank your first turn mana so that you can play um, a spell and a unit on turn two or three or something mm. like that. So um, it takes the mana system from Hearthstone and actually expands on it a little bit. But um, what I like best around it is uh, there's a concept of win conditions in card games when you build decks. Obviously, the win condition is to win. It's to knock out your yeah. opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, but different decks sort of have different ways that they do that. Um, whether it's putting a bunch of creatures on the board really fast or whether it's um, staying alive for long enough to cast a huge spell, whatever. It's just true of Hearthstone. It's true of any card game. So, um, have you, have you guys played like League of Legends that much? Before? I have. No, I have. Okay. So this card game is set in the League of Legends universe. For those that don't know, that's what Runeterra is. Is the sort of fictional world that League takes place in. So you tend to build your decks in Legends of Runeterra around specific champions from League of Legends. Uh, there are strict rules for how many champion cards you can include and like the amount of different champions you can have. Um, and then tied to your champion selection is kind of the, the, the different regions of the world are sort of the different classes in Hearthstone or the different colors in Magic. So you might take a Noxus champion and an Ionia champion, for example. Um, and your champions kind of give you your win conditions. So there's champions like uh, Fiora, who is a fencer. She's a top laner, usually in um, in League of Legends. And um, in Legends of Runeterra, if she's able to kill a certain number of enemy units, you just win the game. Um, you don't even have to deal damage to your opponent. If she can kill, I want to say it's seven enemy units, you win. Um, that's very hard to do because she's pretty fragile. So then the game becomes protecting her and keeping her alive so that she can take out enemy units specifically. Um, and uh, it becomes a totally different kind well, of game. Well, especially considering that the so, opponent would then not want to throw in a lot of enemy units. Right. And so the way that it works, this is um, a big differentiator from Hearthstone. In Hearthstone, you choose what enemy unit you want to attack when you do an attack or whatever. Uh, in Runeterra uses the Magic the Gathering okay. system where I say, I'm attacking with these three creatures or characters, and then you pick which, who's going to defend um, and who they're going to defend. So Fiora has an ability called Challenger, which lets her select someone to attack, um, which helps her to, con- to to achieve her win condition. But to your point, it means that like your opponent's not going to want to put out weaker enemies that she can easily kill. So she's powerful against different kinds of decks. Um, I mean, unless you and try and do like just a jump to- block, and then if you have a sweet ability, maybe you can hit her. Do, do they have like the sorcery right. instance in this, like you'd find in Magic? Yeah. Right. Yep. So that's the other great thing is that there. This game has Hearthstone's biggest problem, in my <laughs> opinion, is there's not a lot of right. interactivity. Um, 
it's like you do your stuff, I do my stuff. There's those trap cards that you can leave like as triggers, kinda. but yeah, but there's no like wait, 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 stop your turn. <laughs> I'm gonna do yeah. a thing. Um, so Runeterra has that. So it has like instant abilities where you can say you can set me up for well. If I if Fiora kills one more enemy, then I win the game. So I'm gonna attack you, and then you can play an instant that like makes it so that her attack stat goes to zero for the turn or something like that. Um, so it does a lot of that stuff that something like Magic: The Gathering does, and it makes it a lot more dynamic and interesting, I think, uh, and, and just generally more fun to play. I I'm really fascinated about the idea of the different decks having different objectives that you have to accomplish to get to a win state thing, and it sounds like it could be very different experience depending on which one you choose. And I mean, it's- yeah, and to some extent, Fiora is the most extreme example. Most of the other characters, the the ultimate goal is still to reduce your opponent's life to zero. But th- like Garen, for example, um, when he survives a certain number. When he survives this, no, it's when he attacks two times. He his character card levels up, and then suddenly he he deals a lot more damage. Um, my favorite character, who is far from my favorite character in League of Legends, but in in Runeterra is uh, Jinx. So Jinx, um, you have to empty your hand to level her up, hmm. uh, and then once she's leveled up, and you empty your hand, she gives you a. a card that costs no mana to play that deals four damage to an enemy so then so with like you play her with like super aggro decks where you're trying to just play everything as quick as possible in hopes that you start getting those four damage cards because then five of those at your opponent's face and you win um so there's a lot of that kind of even the ones that that still have to deal damage to win they have a different different ways to get to a point where they are capable of doing that win state damage mm. uh, so yeah it's it's really cool and it's really diverse and there's just a lot of different ways there to play i think and so there's something kind of for everyone whether you like control or aggro or really tricky decks there's all that stuff in there oh, sounds pretty wow. interesting where where can i play this game uh so <laughs> probably just google it but it's right now it's on pc only um i don't have i don't know what the it's probably Legends of Runeterra. Okay, I was but, wondering if it was on um, Steam it's or coming... Epic Store. No, it's no, and it won't ever go there. As I don't think uh, PlayRuneterra.com looks like the the uh, web address. Um, Riot does their own stuff separately. Like League isn't on Steam or anything either. But um, Runeterra will be coming to mobile devices in the next few months, I think. Um, so that's kind of where it's headed next. It's also interesting because it's a very you get a lot of free cards and they y- you buy specific cards it's not like it's not like uh hearthstone where you're buying packs and this is maybe the coolest thing about it from like a from from a from a business perspective at least instead of buying like a pack of five random cards you purchase a different levels of rarity uh, wild cards. So you might purchase a champion wild card for like, I think they're like $3. I don't remember how the currency works out exactly. But then that just lets you pick any of the champion cards you want to mm. add to your collection. So same thing with like the rare and common cards. There are random packs that you can get for free for just playing, but there is no way to purchase a random pack of cards. You're always purchasing the ability to select from a different rarity tier what card you want to add to your collection so you can kind of like 
build a deck and then go, okay, so for me to get this deck and finish it, I need to spend about eight bucks on the store kind of thing, which is really nice. And it means that like you won't have to do the whole buy $200 <laughs> in packs when a new set comes yeah. out to be competitive. Which is always a big problem. Yeah, I mean, it's Hearthstone's terrible for that. Um, they also, for now, I don't know that they're going to do this forever, but in the beta, they actually limit the number of cards you can buy with real money. So you can't just like buy the entire set in a week. They make it so you can only buy like I think it's like twenty cards a week, um, which is kind of an interesting thing to do to keep it from being like all of the most serious players have all the cards on day one. Which yeah, or that's definitely a problem. Whoever has the most money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and then it has you know level up progression, a bunch of different ways to get more stuff, uh, a bunch of cosmetic stuff. So, yeah, I, I highly recommend it if you have any interest at all in card games. And even if you haven't really been into card games before, but you like the characters and art from League of Legends, that's all there and really, really uh, vibrant. And they did a really good job with, like, instilling it with all of that character. Now, is this one of the League of Legends offshoot games that they're trying to, that they're currently, you know, developing? Yeah, it is developed uh, internally at Riot. So the two sort of spinoffs from, I guess there's actually three spinoffs from League that are being developed internally by like Riot-owned teams are the fighting game that they're working on, um, which is by the Rising Thunder devs uh, that they own now, uh, and then Legends of Runeterra, and then uh, the um, Wild Rift, which is like their console and mobile version of League of Legends. And I guess technically Teamfight Tactics, that's like a mode within the League of Legends client, but it's also launching uh or would have just launched uh when you hear this on mobile devices as its own thing too so yeah those are all kind of the like internal riot stuff okay yeah i, I definitely remember that they were, they like had a bunch of games ready to go but yeah and then they have um the the like external teams that are kind of like using the world and then getting the riot seal of approval um like there's like a bilgewater game that's like an action top-down isometric action game that has has thresh in it or something um and then there's the one with echo in it like there's a bunch of different smaller projects that are not riot developed but kind of riot approved on the way too which is pretty neat okay makes sense so uh that was a that was legends of rudenterra and that was a solid week for early adopters it's only gonna get better I signed us up for like 15 more. There's Jumpala, Zero Grave, Pazezi. God, stop. World, Flight World, or Fight World, West of Dead, Rose and Locke. Wait, I don't know if these are betas or HBO shows. Sugar Overkill. No, that that is a game. I've heard of that one before. <laughs> I see uh, Tanknarok, Guntastic, Tesla Force, Jousty Dragons. Vector Racer. All right, Joel. Zordek. Get, get, get this out of here. Daymare, 1998. Sup, news? I'm going to treat you like a nice brisket and take it low and slow this week. That's real hot. Yep. You, you, put, your, you put your heart into I that. I know. I'm proud I, of you. I, was, I was trying it out. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, each time you do it, I'm like, man, I'm real glad I'm making you do this because you do good work. <laughs> okay, we have uh, some news this week. The big one that came out first was uh, the Nintendo Nindie Showcase. A uh, bunch of indie games coming out. Uh, first one I saw that was interesting, I Am Dead. Uh, an environmental <laughs> puzzle game coming out. And all these games, they look like to be like coming out 2020. Uh, the, I'm missing yeah, some we, Exit the Gungeon here. Exit the Gungeon is was on there. I, I'm i the only one that talks about it. You know, Enter the Gungeon, so I was like, well... Well, you have to exit it sometime, yeah? Probably. <laughs> probably. Uh, you know, it... <laughs> It, it said something that the, the game I remember most from this was the Cyanide and Happiness one, ah. that free Doppelopolis game. Free Doppelopolis, But yeah. o- o- only because, like, it popped up and I was like, wait, oh, weird, Cyanide and Happiness. And then suddenly, just a string of really awful jokes. Like, just Yeah, did they... They didn't show any footage from that, right? I definitely skipped past they did. that. I, that. A bit of they did, okay. not, it did, I mean, what, what kind of game... It, it kind of remind me a little bit of like uh, the South Park games. Yeah, it kind of seemed like they had. Yeah, the kinda, that was the. Yeah, that was the impression I got, and uh, I was pretty quickly put off. <laughs> They're also very popular because they come out with that card game. They came out, yeah, yes. with a card game where you have to do sci- like the cyanide and heaviness comic strip, where each person has to pick a section of the comic strip in three panels. But yep, it, it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> it's it's okay. It's fine for people who like it. I don't. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> uh, Summer in Mira, uh, an island farming 3D, almost cl- uh, Stardew Valley. Uh, that one I've, I have contacted developers on that one to see if we could get that. And do they believe uh, that we're in a legitimate establishment? They would have to answer me first for me to know. <laughs> but when they do, we should uh, we should really do a custom URL for our email or something like that, so it's not at gmail dot com. <laughs> yeah, probably. Future project. Well, at least our project. Gmail now has a picture of the the logo in it. Did it not? Uh, previously, it did not. Son of a. <laughs> okay. Uh, Quantum League, that crazy uh, first-person shooter that you was very us. confusing. Yes. Time travel. Yeah, that's a cool game. I played that at, at PAX last year, and it was it's wild. I had problems following it. I played it uh, a yeah. week or two ago, and I, I had problems following what was happening just because. The time paradoxes of you blocking somebody from getting a point, but then also it blocked me from getting a point. It just got very confusing. Yeah, it seems like a game that could be really cool if you got like very good at it, but I don't know that I have it in me to be very good at it. I'd like to watch people who are very good at it. Yes. Though. See, that's a game I'd watch, yeah. Uh, Joel, what was? did you get the name of that Hello Games new game? No, but it did make me want to play Joe Danger a little bit. It's. Uh, I think it's called The Last Campfire. That sounds right. That game what, just what looks adorable. Of- what kind of game was that? I, I don't even remember this. It's like a a sort of um, adventure puzzle game. It has kind of the vibe of something like a Brothers. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I, I I remember they announced it. I think last year around E three maybe. It might have been later than that. But um, I remember seeing it and kind of like I'm a fairly big No Man's Sky fan, and I think it's cool that they're doing something different. I wouldn't expect them to just like 
make more games like that, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I was not super impressed with it when they showed it last year. But in this indie showcase, I thought it was really it looked really impressive. So I, I will say I'm, yeah. I'm happy Hello Games is working on something besides No Man's Sky as well, just because when that all happened and they put so much time into trying to make it work after the fact. My my whole thought was that they're gonna spend the rest of time supporting this, and like that that right. could turn into a full time career too if they wanted to expand upon it and offer in game purchases and things like that to flesh out things. But I'm I'm glad they're still working on some of these smaller projects. And I think that's kind of the plan eventually. But it's they've they've been spending so much time getting on people's good graces again and like getting that game into a place where it's something everyone likes before they want to try to start charging for anything in it. Um, but as I understand it, this last campfire game, I mean, I'm sure that Murray is involved in it because he's the studio head, but it's actually like a pretty small subset of people at the studio. So it's not like, it's not like everybody is working on it. Uh, the whole no man's sky team. It's more like a smaller set of people. Um, and then he's serving as more of a producer role rather than a designer on it. Yeah. Sure. I just remember that the, the announcement had blatantly Sean Murray front and center. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, Super Liminal, which we've played, uh, was it's quite a fun little Stanley Parable esque game. Sky, Joel, you really liked Sky, and, and now it's I, not you're not stuck at mobile. I would pay for a copy of it on on a console here. Like that's that that deserved better than the mobile version. As much as I enjoyed playing some of it, it you know, uh, but you were the, playing it on games, a cracked screen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, those games deserve to be on a TV. Yeah, that was my impression of playing the little bit of it that I did on Apple Arcade. Or not even Apple Arcade, it was just on Yeah, it was just free-to-play, yeah. Uh, Moving Out, which again, we have also applied for codes on, if only because it shares that uh, Billy Joel song. Maybe that's just me, guys. It is. (laughs) Yes. Okay. (laughs) Billy Joel. Uh, Dicey Dungeons, which I'm excited for. That's a roguelike that I've been wanting to get into, and I'm, now that it's going to be on Switch, it'd be perfect. That's a very good game. Is it? I'm excited. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'm very excited to see it go to other platforms. I, I selfishly want it on my phone more than on a Switch, but um, if it's come to Switch, then then phones can't be too far behind. Yeah, agreed. And uh, the last one I kind of thought that was noteworthy for me, Blair Witch, which was weird. I don't... Yeah. Is anybody asking for that? Somebody was. I don't think so. (laughs) Somebody's asking for literally every game that has been developed and has yet to be developed to be on Switch. There is someone asking for that, so I guess. Now, uh, that was the Nindy Showcase, which I I thought was fun. I I always like seeing the developers, especially a lot of these developers were international, so you got to feel their presence and who they were. But side to that, Void Bastards accidentally got revealed for Switch. Someone put it on like on BestBuy.com or something like that. So Void Bastards is coming to Switch, which is a fun game, a fun little roguelike. It seems like a good place for it. I got like bored of that game super super fast, but um, having it in like a to play on like a commute or something could be pretty cool. That and like playing it in a chunk, doing like three ships in a run, and then just like walking away for like a week. Yeah, yeah, and it's a good game to like. I could see it as like a good bedtime lay in bed playing on the switch for 20 minutes or something before bed kind of thing so that is void bastards coming out soon uh then uh there was a sony ps5 presentation man was that technical Mm -hmm. man was that technical 
Did did it? Did you guys watch it, or was that just me? I just looked at the specs afterwards. I did not have time this week, as it would turn out. It's still busy at work. Can imagine. Yeah, I got the the lowdown on it from uh, from our Alex uh, over at Fix, and he was really excited about it because he's has worked in game development and is is a does a lot of um, engineering and stuff. So. He was excited about it, and then I got like irrationally frustrated, like not with him, but in general, because they started talking. He and Andre started talking about like the ear scanning tech to do audio <laughs> profiling, and I was like, "We don't need to know about any of this crap. I'm so tired no, of this. Get out, get out while you can." <laughs> Someone's like, "Tell me a price. Tell me a release date. Show me a game. Come on, just anything." <laughs> Yeah, but I'm also like I'm also in marketing. So for me, it was like this is not selling me in anything. I was just no, I was watching it as a marketer. Like I'm gonna, I'm in marketing because I like the idea of like helping people buy products that they're going to get a lot of use out of, mm-hmm. rather than just making a bunch of money. So for me, it was like you're not selling anyone on this and not explaining to me why I should save money for it. And I got very frustrated. But at the end of the day, the stuff they showed was still really cool. Yeah. Now, the thing, I thought I saw somebody say that that was originally a presentation that was going to be done at GDC that ended up not happening. Uh, yeah, been, I'm not... that's what Cerny opened with. Okay, uh, I didn't actually watch it, so <laughs> just uh, the only thing I saw of it was the screenshot being passed around about 100 games yeah. uh, being enhanced uh, backwards compatibility, or was it just how many were backwards compatible? It was more that he's saying that they looked at what were the 100 best, like most played by hours and users games, and those were the ones that they were going to focus on for backwards compatibility first. You know what that means? Destiny 2. Yes! (laughs) I can't wait to have Andre on. (laughs) And I think, like, if they had marketed it as a, a GDC talk through their channels and then i wouldn't have gotten as frustrated because like it was the way they were like we're gonna do a ps5 tech talk and it made it sound like oh you have a presentation you were gonna do a stage show because of the state of everything you can't do it now and you're gonna communicate in a way that's understandable to the layman instead of right a super technically savvy audience yeah, yeah. which is funny because i uh, saw people like cool awesome announcement uh release date and games and it's like nope far yeah. from it yeah i mean i will say though that that xbox stream that they did later in the day was significantly worse oh was it <laughs> i didn't even see that one i only watched it for like 10 minutes but it was um very painful uh and had like not a lot of information uh and was just kind of like similarly techy but not being delivered by someone like mark cerny it was being delivered by like somebody from the inside xbox team and it was hard hard to watch i would say why do you guys think that it seems like both of them have been so cagey about providing more details to the customer it's because of each other yeah, they're trying to see yeah. who shoots first, and then it's not who shoots it's, first, it's who shoots themselves in the foot first. Yeah, it's it's all like a game of chicken. Um, and we kind of had this conversation, too, about how like the cycle is going to be really short and everything, and I just think it's frustrating. It's not that I don't think it'll they'll be successful. I just think it's frustrating given like the state of the global economy right now. Like, Give people some information. Just like 
quit it <laughs> and yeah. try to share some information so people can start to plan for whether they want these consoles or not. The thing with like Microsoft, they're not doing a particularly better job of messaging, but at least they came out and said like, look, your Xbox one X is going to play halo infinite and it's going to continue to play games, new games into 2021. So I feel less anxious about getting information on release date and price for that system because it sounds like it's more of an upgrade uh, than it is a necessity. Well, and Microsoft has done a lot to try to get goodwill to be able to bank on for people for this generation too, right? I mean, yeah, how many right. how many times have I been able to extend my Xbox Game Pass for like one dollar a month for three or four months, and uh, you know, just the and just as a value proposition, it's great, even if I was paying full price for it. But uh, yeah, and we we literally will text each other, be like, all right. Here's a coupon to get Xbox Game Pass for three months. We're like, oh crap, okay. Got three more months. I'm gonna stay on this for three more months. Be damned if I'm paying full price on that one. Yeah, I ended up doing a, an Xbox All Access to get a One X um, last early last year, end of 2018. Um, so I basically like they have you finance all that stuff up front, and it was great when they uh, unveiled Game Pass Ultimate. Um, they basically like took when you get the all got the all access plan when I got it they gave you you bought two years of Game Pass and two years of Xbox Live so when they revealed Game Pass Ultimate what they did for existing all access customers was just roll it all together into four years of Game Pass Ultimate so it basically like extended my Game Pass and Xbox Live for two years without me having to do anything I had to pay like a dollar as an authorization fee basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's they've done a pretty good job of that handling that stuff. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, I, I'm surprised both of them aren't pushing hard that sort of financing option for the consoles. Like, I have to imagine that Microsoft will with the Series X. They're they're definitely positioned more, I think, than Sony is to try to bank on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, there is other piece of news: uh, rumored release date for the Xbox Series X slated for Thanksgiving. Just seems very soon. I don't know. I'm not convinced that they're going to get uh, their production spun up in time, given like everything that's happening right now. But at the same time, uh, I'm not a supply chain manager. So. <laughs> but you know who is? No. no. <laughs> you know the not. rules. We don't talk about work during podcast. <laughs> Only I introduce work topics at the podcast. And even then, we don't. That's close. <laughs> okay. So, next piece of news... Uh, Sony rumored to be buying Konami's Castlevania, Metal Gear, and Silent Hill franchises. Also, Kojima Productions at, in talks to do the next Silent Hill game, as well as there is going to be another Silent Hill by somebody else. All rumors, all very exciting. Uh, what was the source of this? Uh, well, Kojima had been hinting at it for a while, and then... Uh, I'm going to look it up now, but it's kind of been all over the place. Alex with the internet... But- Mm-hmm. I'm on the internet sometimes, you know. <laughs> I mean, I guess in some ways it, they feel like a natural home for... Well, Castlevania kind of doesn't. I, I guess more recent memory maybe, but like its home is steep than Nintendo. But, like, I don't All know. I know is that this is if this means that Hideo Kojima is going to do a Metal Gear Solid 6... <laughs> I will lose my mind. I'm not even a Metal Gear fan, but I will lose my mind. There's nothing else to talk about. There's nothing else to talk about. We got everything we needed. Isn't there? Did we? 
Yeah. I, I think he needs to go back and finish Metal Gear Solid Five. It's not done by any stretch of your imagination. I mean, I guess we could find out what Snake was doing when Snake was doing. But... Wow, <laughs> that was that was good. <laughs> I, yeah, I kind of I think that he could do. I mean, the the I I don't know. I have not finished uh, Metal Gear Solid Five. I don't partic- I didn't particularly like Metal Gear Solid's one through four. I think I will like the five a lot when I finally play it mm-hmm. because um, I like the the structure of it more, but. Um, I do know the story of at least one through four and um, I would have after four said there's no way you can like there's nothing else to do and then there was more backstory to tell I'm I'm almost positive that he could come up with more oh yeah without question also it is a known Konami leaker known as jack of all controllers well but he has been correct in the past so at this point he is saying that uh, they are looking to buy Konami IP with Konami having said that they are looking to find ways to use Silent Hills to make profit and trying to bring that back. So that's kind of been a thought, but the leaker also referenced Castlevania and Metal Gear. Seems legitimate. Well, I guess, I guess selling them off would yield profit for Konami, but that'd be a one-time transaction. Also, add the Yakuza. The Yakuza. Uh, and then Joel removed the GameStop thing with. <laughs> <laughs> I changed my mind. I you know why? Because his <laughs> wife is gonna go get him a game from GameStop tomorrow. So. No, no. Uh, <laughs> local game store. <laughs> I heard GameStop. GameStop was messed up. Anyway, uh, Getty, you want to take us out of here? Yeah, you know, short news week equals didn't cook long enough. So we're gonna try to. Uh, to get a piece of the news next week so we don't end up sick. Uh, We're going to get the news one of these days. One day, Getty, you'll get it. Or get them. Let's take a break. Back with the Backlog Blog, where we play games from our back catalog that we've always dreamed of. One of them's a nightmare, and one's a lifelong dream. Pat, you being our guest, I'm going to let you go first here. Tell me about my dream of racing. Tell me about the Crew <laughs> 2. Yeah, so um, the when the Crew 2 came out, I actually played quite a bit of it. Um, and I liked it a lot more than most people did. Uh, but it definitely was not everything that it could be. Have any of you guys played either of the crew games before? Nope. Afraid not. No. No. So the first one's not, is, is bad. It's really only good for the novelty of like driving across the country. Um, but like you can get a much more engaging experience out of playing like American Truck Simulator or something if you want a road trip <laughs> game. Yeah. Uh, the Crew Two, um, it looked like it was going to be a lot more interesting, and um, at launch it was I think better than the first game. But it's still the biggest problem that that game had was all the vehicles pretty much sounded the same uh, or felt the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the the planes flew all flew the same, the cars all drove the same, the boats all drove the same. Um, 
and there were some motorcycles that were all pretty much the same. And so it didn't really feel like it mattered. Like your vehicle just felt like a skin. Um, and then on top of that, the AI just was super rubber bandy. Um, and there was really nothing to do with other players at all. So you, you could like race co-op, but all it did just was just mean that you were both setting a time against the AI. So I liked the game, but I fell off of it after I finished the like quote story, which was pretty limited. Um, but, uh, I realized recently that, that like I hadn't played it in a while. And part of the reason I fell off of it was because, uh, Forza Horizon 4 also came out. Uh, and then that game is significantly better than the crew too. So I played a ton of that. Um, but, uh, the recently I decided to go back and take a look at the crew too. I think I saw some tweet from the, the developer of the crew that was interesting or something. I can't even really remember what led me to reinstall it. Um, but that game has changed in classic Ubisoft fashion. That game has changed immensely since, uh, since, since it came out. Um, they have done like the most important thing is they have done so much work to the handling model of that game. So now pretty much every vehicle feels pretty unique and different, mm-hmm. um, which is really cool. Um, the different kinds of cars and boats and stuff also feel significantly different now. Uh, the AI got tuned a lot. So I think it's like, it's really fun um, just generally. And then they've added a whole suite of these like service game features where you have um, daily quests that you get, but then there's also this weekly set of challenges that you complete them and based on your time through them or your your success through them you get uh placed on a leaderboard and the top three thousand people on the leaderboard win uh a like super exclusive reward sometimes it's like a car that is a car that you can get normally but it has some really um cool cosmetics attached to it that you can't get any other way aside from getting in the top 3000 for that, that, that week's challenge. And the challenges are themed around like this week it's called uh, street samurai, I think, mm-hmm. or like house of the samurai maybe, but it's, it's all Japanese bikes and cars and different racing events centered around them um, that you're trying to get the best score on. Um, so with all that stuff, it makes it like really, really fun to revisit each week. Uh, and there's something really challenging to strive for. Um, and I've just been, they haven't added like a battle pass or anything, which is smart, I think. Instead, it's just all centered around these challenges. Okay. Uh, and then they also have like PvP leagues now, which are very cool too. So I definitely recommend it if you haven't played it before. If you can get it on sale or something, it's it's a really good value. And is it just like driving challenges and, and playing challenges and stuff like that? Like uh, almost like a Burnout Paradise? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, there, there's sort of a story to it a little bit, but it's like... Um, you get some cutscenes. There's, it's divided into, uh, I want to say five different disciplines. So you get um, like the off-road discipline, the freestyle discipline, the professional driver discipline, and the street racing discipline. And then there's a fifth one that's like kind of combining different ones together into these multi-vehicle events. Mm-hmm. Um, and so within each discipline, then there's like four or five different subsets of challenges, like aero racing where you're racing planes touring car racing where you're racing cars on tracks and um like maybe there's in one of them there'll be like drag racing and street racing uh and then you're kind of going through all these different uh events but some of them do have some light story stuff tied to them which is not good but it's also kind of it's 
very strange. <laughs> like <laughs> the writing is, I think, intentionally really weird and kind of funny. Okay. Um, but like, for example, like earlier today, I was playing a hovercraft race, and in the middle of it, your mechanic guy, who's like your partner all along, is telling a story about how he got into a bumper car fight with this girl when at the bumper cars once and he keeps talking about how they like kept ramming each other and it kept escalating and one thing led to another and the whole race i'm just like this has gotta be on purpose uh and then at the end he's like and then our parents took us to get ice cream we were eight years old what did you think i was talking about and it's like it's bad but i think it's bad on purpose Mm -hmm. and it actually i usually find it pretty funny um so there's a lot of weird stuff in in terms of weird dialogue that pops up in races and everything. But mechanically, yeah, it's it's a bunch of different challenges. But then you can also just drive around the open world. So if you want to like fly to New York and then try to land your plane on top of a building and then drive, then switch to a car and drive off of it or whatever, you can do goofy stuff like that too. Oh, you can just like drive. You can just change into a car like automatically anywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you're changing vehicles at any time. It's actually very similar to uh, the way that Steep works, which is another Ubisoft multi-sport game. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you can just, like, you hit the, the, the right stick, push the right stick in, and then it lets you select between boat, car, and plane. You can turn into a boat in the middle of the highway if you want to. It won't, you won't go anywhere. But uh, <laughs> it's it's pretty goofy the way that that stuff works but what's fun about it is like it's very absurd at times but the tone is not stupid it's still a pretty like even keeled tone of like oh you're competing in these events to earn followers and it's this this adventure camera company that's just like gopro that's sponsoring all this stuff uh so um i don't know i think it's i think it's pretty well put together at this point and the game feels a lot better than it was when it first came out um and it's i don't think it's particularly expensive now either no, I can't imagine it would be. And it doesn't have a ton of DLC to buy either. Pretty much everything in it. Um, the the season pass they put out, yeah, it looks like it's on sale right now on Steam for like 15 bucks. Pretty much everything that they, they put out um, via the season pass is like additional cars that you can get for free with the season pass instead of having to buy them with the in-game currency. Mm-hmm. Um and then everything you can buy everything in the game with a paid currency, but I, you would never ever need to do that. I have never purchased currency for that game, and I have like a third of the vehicles. So yeah. Okay. I think my brother plays quite a bit of Crew Two. I think he does it with the the full racing rig, though. Yeah, I'm not. I don't currently have a wheel set up and everything. Um, I'd, I'd like to get back to doing that. I used to play like that, but for me, the Crew is more of a controller game because it's pretty arcadey. Um, but, uh, but you can have, you can, you can also still do all of the like intense adjusting that you can do in something like a Forza Horizon if you really want to get into it. Last question I have, how's the drifting? (laughs) Uh, the drifting's good. It's its own, it's its own event. You can sort of get any car to drift, but there are specific cars for drifting. Mm -hmm. So drift events are, um, point based like they are in real life. They're not races. Mm -hmm. Um, and you have to try to combo together your drifts back and forth. Uh, and they're really fun. Um, it's pretty hard to master. Uh, but um, a lot of it, too, is tied to um, getting actually getting colored loot for your cars, like green, blue, and purple <laughs> stuff Perfect. to put into your car. And it increases the power level of the car. Um, and so that can make like your drift car more effective, too. But it's very fun to do. And um, 
you can you could totally set up a race where you just use drift cars and actually race each other too. Getty, don't tell Steve. I will. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he, he's right on this. We're like, man, I gotta get purples. Whatever game's got that system, greens, blues, purples, I'm in. Yeah, and it's pretty. It's there's a lot of like, you try to max out your car, and then from there you're trying to like re-roll gear to get different. Um, like different uh, I forget what they call them but they're like perks that so like this this piece of gear gives you faster nitro refill when you're slipstreaming or whatever um and so you can try to put together the perfect build for all of the 384 vehicles in the game so wait when you swap to like a boat you that it's a boat that you pick that you have decked out as well so you have to deck out these every vehicle individually yeah. yeah so the the you can't have more you can't have a part on more than one vehicle but um, it's pretty easy to just, like, pick your... Fa- I mean, you wouldn't really try to grind out perfect gear for every vehicle in the game. Um, so you'd probably pick your favorite boat and then work to get that one set up uh, and then just use that one. Um, but the nice thing about those weekly challenges I was talking about is that they force you to move out of your comfort zone and you actually have to use different vehicles um, that, that are required by the events for the weekly challenge. And you can pretty easily swap your gear load out over to another vehicle so you don't have to, like spend a ton of time grinding it out but okay. it does force you to try something else that's awesome actually i might look into the crew too yeah i i, I think it's i think it's definitely worth like if you can find it on sale it's totally worth it it's it's always fun i, I like a lot of these like the uh, i call them my time wasters where it's like i guess i'm gonna play warframe for like an hour and then i'm gonna play Rainbow absolutely Six Siege for like an hour and then, yeah yeah it's totally one of those um but but a very relaxing one of those because it's you know, it gets pretty challenging if you want it to be, but it's also a huge checklist of activities. There's like a hundred or so different events at least to actually play through. So there's a lot there. Um, also, breaking protocol as always. Uh, I just text, texted Steve. He said, oh, God, I'm, I'm now going to be playing this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, that was the crew, too. Uh, thank you for bringing that to us, because, again, I haven't looked into that one as much as I would want to have wanted. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this week I brought... Prey, the most recent Prey, not the one that was for Xbox, uh, the original Xbox. Uh, okay. Have you guys, any of you guys played Prey and or do you guys plan on playing Prey? Man, there's a lot of peas. You know that I have. Uh, yeah, I know you have. Uh, Joel, I, do you want to Why play Prey? Why did you Prey ask or? if you... Oh, God damn <laughs> I have not played Prey. I would be interested in playing prey the same way i'm interested in playing doom when you're in quarantine so, probably not <laughs> well, well once the country locks down and i can't do work from home either. oh yeah, that's not that gonna way. happen buddy i know <laughs> so uh the reason why i'm asking is because i don't want to jump in and ruin prey but I kind of got to ruin prey, and that's where I'm like asking where that goes. Uh, how about I you? I mean, I could. Uh, well, I was gonna say I could log off, but but I'm editing, so I'm gonna hear it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> Go right. Go Pat. On. So I've played a good chunk of it. I've not finished it, so I don't know what part of prey you're planning to. He ruin. wants to wreck everything. Uh, uh, um, then you know what? You know what? I won't. I won't go that far. But I will say, okay, Joel. Yeah. Because you are the most unfamiliar here. Prey is a Bethesda-ass game. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. It, that turns it on its head. So, first off, it's a very twisty game. Anytime you think you know what's going on, it shifts on you. And that goes in t- up until 
again, and I don't want to ruin it, up until the le- post-credits, it shifts everything into a completely new context. Okay, again. You, you started the, describing this as a Bethesda-ass game. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, too many options for him, is what he's you, saying. You you know, well, my, my concern <laughs> is that you're maybe talking about Fallout Bethesda? A little bit. Well, here we go, here we go. Okay, the reason why I say it's a Bethesda-ass game is that it's kind of an open world, a bunch of side missions, and everything in the world is essentially pickupable. I would argue so that the world isn't cups, that big, Alex. It's uh, it's a well, finite space where when you get into yeah, like it's a Skyrim finite space, but it's, or... But it, but what I mean is an open world is in you can go and do anything in any order. You can go to different sections of the map and explore. For oh, yeah, you can go you kill can yourself right away. Huh. Okay, so so Jetty's clarification makes this like a 75% fucked thing. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> no, but okay, so here, hold on, I'm, I'm hold on. We're all getting sidetracked. We're all getting sidetracked. The reason why uh, it turns it on its head uh, for me was that Imagine in like Fallout or Skyrim or any one of those games, you can pick, you can just fill your bag with cups and plates and all that stuff. The villain is aliens that can turn into those things. So you can walk up to a desk and be like, I'm going to go to this computer terminal and I'm going to find a story thing. And you go to click on the terminal and the cup next to it pops out as an alien ink monster and attacks you. So you have to go through the game and in the very beginning I had a wrench as a weapon and I was smacking every inanimate object I, that was near me. And you'd see them like shake a little bit and sometimes they'll run and then all of a sudden they'll turn into a chair and you'll see the chair just tilting back and forth. You're like, oh crap, it's a chair. It is probably like the scariest immersive sim that I have played. <laughs> so that and then also the game opens up. You're a, you're, you're part of this company and you're going to do an experiment, and they say that you get woke up and you're in your apartment. They say, "Hey, go uh, meet us on the roof. We're gonna we're gonna take you to the company. It's cool. There's a helicopter." And you're like, "Okay," and the credits are uh, you're flying by on the helicopter. You see the credits in the in the sky, which is cool. And then they make you do this experiment, and then all of a sudden the experiment goes wrong, and they're like, "What happened?" And then they kind of start over, and you wake up in your apartment, and you gotta get in the helicopter again. And what you realize is that you end up smashing one. You just hit with a you hit like one of the mirrors. And it opens up and turns out all of that was a sound studio. So the helicopter ride, all of that was fake. And okay, that that sounds kind of cool. Yeah. And I, I, liked, I, liked, I liked it when people, like, for video games, it's still not often enough that I see a really clever twisting of your expectation or, like, shifting so drastically, like, the the type of environment you're in like yeah. a light switch like that and uh then so the but the way the game is actually played is that you're on a giant space station that goes more horizontal like each floor is a different you know like here's the here's this lab and here is the power room and here is health and safety and here is you know all these different you know and you go through and explore and you find like, basically all the aliens have escaped different ink monsters that are shooting beams at you and you have to go and do the main story quest, but there's tons of also other side quests that you can do. And the game, also what makes it kind of a Bethesda game, is that you can do those quests however you want, and it gives you those options. You can just kill you can kill your NPC, an NPC right next to you and just be like, all right, shoot them in the head, and they're done. That's, and it says, oh, they can't do that quest anymore. So th- there was one where I had to go and find a, an officer who was being a pain, and they're like... You could just go in and shoot him in the face. You can stun him with a stun gun. 
or one of the I because I was like looking this up because I'm like oh, I'm having problems here, and one of the things they're like go to the room next door. It's got the oxygen control. You can just hit the oxygen control and then he passes out. And I'm like, oh come on! Like I could have just done that the entire time, man. So there, you can do the games. You can do the game any way you want and just kind of do these different tasks and quests. But also, there's even more than that. You get neuromods, which are things you install in your yeah. brain that give you like more stamina, more health, but they give you a part of it where they say, you can install the alien Yeah, and Alex didn't do himself any favors, and he didn't use any of the alien tech, so... Because I'm not an alien, man. <laughs> are, I'm not an are alien. Are you? No. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up or not. Are, are you, are you going to have a near moment with every game you play? Yeah. No. So, no, no, no. That's part of the game, though. Because there are turret guns that sense aliens... And they help you kill the aliens. But if you start going into the neuromods where you start installing the alien tech, which gives you like mind control powers or the ability to turn into like a coffee yep. cup, I the the turrets will start turning on you. Okay, that kind of reminds me closer than to like a bio shot with the uh, what they call little using the little girls. You use Adam yeah. and you get it. Oh yeah, yeah, ex- yeah. Exactly. You get your plasmids and whatever have you. Yes, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's it's, that's kind of why it's like. Sorry, go ahead. No, I said that's kind of why I like the game is because I chose to actively avoid using the alien powers because I'm like, well, these turrets are pretty helpful. I'm just gonna stick to that for a while. Yeah, but you could get like stun abilities if you take the alien mods. You can light people on fire. I felt that, like it made me more competitive when I had those abilities. It was also easier. Probably, I had a rough time. Pat, what did you think about this? Yeah, it's it's basically like the pinnacle. It's so it's the the the, the development studio that did the Dishonored games. Yes, um, and it's kind of like the pinnacle of that, uh, like System Shock, Bioshock. Um, even like it even has some roots in like Thief and Deus Ex style of immersive sim game. But then they married it with that open world kind of concept where you, where it's you're in the whole world at once. Um, and I, I I haven't finished it, and I don't really. I can't really tell you why I haven't finished it, um, but uh, it's. I think it's a pretty brilliant game. I mean, I, I, I the the main reason I think that I have never gotten around to finishing it is because it can get kind of hard depending on the way that you go with it. Um, and I hit a point I think where I, it just was kind of stressful to have to like deal with a new crop of enemies in a new space. Um, but I know there's a certain hump where that becomes less of an issue because you just start to get very powerful too. Yeah, See, I, you sold me on it. Yeah, I don't. I don't and know the, what Alex was doing for the last yeah. ten minutes, but <laughs> well, and then also you can, uh, like again, I said it's like a vertical space station, but it doesn't limit you to that even because you can, like I said, there's all these different ways to go about everything, including there are legitimate service ducks that are for maintenance but you can go through them but sometimes there's stuff blocking them unless you spec into strength and then you can remove the boxes out of them and use those maintenance ducts to get past a locked door also locked doors that you need a key card you can find it off a body or if you are good at hacking which you've specced into then you can hack the door so there's all these different ways to go about the same thing and uh like you said it gets a little bit easier once you get more powerful that didn't happen to me I forgot how to play the game. I left. I played it for, I played it, got halfway through, then dropped it for six months, came back, and I didn't know what I was doing, forgot that I'd modded all my weapons to be really good, and recycled them all. 
I have no sympathy. Oh yeah, there's Alex. that whole thing. <laughs> like that's bad. So I had to start over. I mean, I didn't start over. I started from the halfway point. I just had really crappy weapons, but I was like, you know what? We're going to make this happen. And I did uh, it. Joel, one of the I other really it. cool things is that you can recycle materials and then use them to craft different items. So mm-hmm. there's actually a grenade that you can throw and it'll recycle everything in the vicinity of the explosion. And then you go and you pick up all the pieces. You take them to the, for lack of a better explanation, like the vending machine that creates the items for you. And you just plug them in and it, like, poops out shotgun shells. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's it's funny because the recycling materials thing just goes along with, like, I said, they're like, oh, it just took in a coffee cup, a trash can, and, like, all these boxes, which, again, is, like, a Bethesda thing to have all these environmental objects and turned it into, okay, now I can use it as crafting materials. It's a it's It's quite the scary game. And it has quite an interesting story because of... Like, again, these branching paths and having these alternative routes. And, like, at the end, you have, like, a, a very specific, del- like, choice between, you know, A or B, ending A or B. But when it gave me that choice, I had killed the guy who was supposed to give me choice A. And he's like, man, you must have really wanted to do this on your own, huh? It's like, oh, I didn't mean to kill the guy, but it happened. And there's a so couple of different endings. Now here we are. Yeah. That's that's the part of Bethesda's storytelling and and gameplay that I always want to be able to wring every drop out of and enjoy. But then it gets like for the Fallout games, it gets bogged down by just the what I consider bloat of all the empty space of the world. And this sounds like it could be more within reach for me. It it definitely makes it more obtainable and easily to digest uh what oh so what i was saying though is that the space station is vertical but you can go out into space and float through so that's how i started once i figured out how to use the map properly it just became like well i'm not going all the way through that lab that lab was filled with monsters i'm just going out into space and just circumventing everything so that's that's kind of how again that game and also the speed run is like seven minutes possible I was going to say, I'm pretty excited about Arcane's next game in light of like how well they refined all that stuff with um, with Prey, because it looks like their next game plays with a similar kind of like, it's a contained world where you're trying to go through a set of actions to kind of like finish the, the narrative, except that you're looping so that you're having like, it's like more run based where you're like, dying and coming back and now you know the the last run you went over to the research station on the west side of the island and found a key card so now you know for your new run where to go and get that quickly kind of thing hmm. i don't know i really like the dishonored game so this one was fun to me me too yeah i thought i was gonna dread it and i i really liked it especially considering that again those i tend to lose the plot a lot and this one it kind of kept me going forward enough to tell me like here is your main quest and then here is your side quest and pick what you want to do. And I end up doing a bunch of the side quests just because I was like, well, that one actually interests me. I'm kind of curious where that goes or where that thread, you know, where that thread goes. But, uh, for the, for the most part, it kept me on the same track and I didn't need to grind or anything like that. It just kind of kept moving forward. So, cause it, cause, cause you can figure out how to do anything. So like you can go around and like, oh, I looked it up and I was like, oh, I didn't try that way at all. I had already done something different and I found the answer that way. So, but that was Prey. Now, since Pat introduced me to the crew too, 
it's going to need to be my Fast and the Furious 9 for a while. The struggle is real with this delay, guys. Let's <laughs> let's depressively Tokyo Drift into the break. <laughs> vroom, vroom. Vroom, vroom. I was really hoping to just say sad car yeah. noises. <laughs> that was good. No, I just cried vroom, vroom. couple bonus segments this week first bonus segment we're going to go with uh we're all in social isolation mode guys and because of that i'd like to know what you're thinking about playing in this isolation time what do you feel like is a good game to kind of put you in the mode of like well i'm gonna be here a while so i better start playing something pat you are our honored guest (laughs) what games are you playing through your isolation what do you think is the best isolation game yeah, I could. I mean, I could do a whole hour-long podcast on just that. I think, but um, if I'm gonna be like super honest, I think that um, something that is multiplayer, if you have friends playing it, is probably gonna be the thing that'll give you the most. Like, you'll be able to get some like social contact in, um, and also uh, get get a lot of time out of too because competitive multiplayer stuff in particular tends to, to last a long time. So for me, um, it's a little bit of a cop out, but I have been pretty obsessively playing, been playing modern warfare for the last, like, <laughs> I don't know, three, I didn't get it when it came out. Um, I got it like mid December. So like four ish months. And, uh, I don't see any time, any chance of that, like slowing down at all. And what's great is that now that they have the solos mode in their battle royale, um, you can totally like play a doomsday scenario where it's you against a bunch of other people and you have to find weapons and survive. Uh, so it, it's also good training. Hmm. Okay. That's a good choice. I, uh, I, I guess that makes sense. I've been playing a lot of apex legends. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's, it's sort of, sort of similar. The thing with modern warfare for me, that is part of why it's so perfect is like, in addition to you have an overall account level that you're leveling up and unlocking cosmetics and stuff with, and then you have a battle pass level that you're leveling up to unlock a bunch of cool looking stuff with. And then you also have individual levels for every single weapon in the game that you're using to unlock a bunch of cool stuff. And so there's so many like carrots to chase that there's always something to do every time you log into play. So, uh, and, and, and it's not as boring as destiny. Um, so yeah, it's great. Slam Getty slam. Uh, I, I was trying I like to figure thing, out actually. if I can go, like, I have to go PG on there, so if I could just go NC-17. <laughs> Hit us with both. Well, we'll no, I goes. feel like I probably shouldn't uh, do the second one. Um, well, I am just about finishing up Pokemon Shield. And, uh, okay. you know, Pokemon lives matter, Alex. What's your hour count? Not, you know, not that bad. I could probably boot it up and check, but I've been keeping it kind of kind of on par for whatever the regular playthrough is. Hold on. Yeah, I don't have the volume on. I just hit the save screen here. Oh, wait, nope, I can't. I'm in the final match. <laughs> oh, um, so after that, I'm probably going to explore around, try and figure out uh, 
what Pokemon I want to catch. But I also picked up Octopath Traveler, so that will definitely be a nice time sink here when I'm not at work. Okay. Okay. Octopath Traveler. Very good choice. Are you going to start going into Pokemon Online? Uh, probably not. You know, I've given it some thought, but I'm probably just going to catch what I want. I don't, I don't feel like I am obligated, because I already do the Pogo thing, so... Oh, yeah, you're deep in that Pogo yep. game. Joel, what are you playing in this time of isolation? So, usually when I'm holed up for one reason or another and find myself with time to burn, or I don't know about you guys, but... Uh, Rocket League. Yeah, just Rocket League. What's... <laughs> and no, game. no objections, but... <laughs> no objections. Well, I, I, yes, Rocket League is one of them, <laughs> asshole. But... <laughs> <laughs> like, you, okay. you know, don't uh, no, go ahead, Alex. Tell us what your your choice is. No, I'm hit done. me with the other one. Hit no. me with the other one. No, you had your chance, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll never know. I, I but it, the other one was really cool. <laughs> now you're never gonna get to know what it was. But now I'll never know. <laughs> it's it was gonna be awesome. It would be your new favorite game. Oh, but. Joel, tell me, <laughs> Stardew Valley. <laughs> oh God. Alex, what's your uh, <laughs> what's your choice? Uh, well, again, uh, Apex Legends. Uh, I've been debating on just like, do I just go through and play an hour of every game, pick one day, and then be like, well, Monday will be Warframe Day, and t- Tuesday will be Rainbow Six Siege Day. But then I just figured I'd never get good at any of them. So this year has been the year where I'm trying series that I've never tried before, starting from relatively the beginning and starting again. So today I started up. Black Mesa for Half which Half Life One, I played about half an hour of that played about an hour of Gears One, and I've played about an hour of Halo One. So I'm trying all three of those series, never having touched. Any Alex, of them are before. we doing a death count for Gears? Sure. Yeah. You know what? Okay. Uh, the next I didn't want to do this in the middle of this, but uh, next video game homework Getty has announced he would like us to play Gears. Of yeah, War. that that was my closing statement. So you can go to hell. God damn it. <laughs> Great, I now I have to figure out something else. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's crying this episode. So, uh, I'm trying to play all the games that I've ever played because it feels like time is standing still. Doesn't it kind of feel like, guys, doesn't it kind of feel like, like time is I'm standing I'm literally still? working 12 hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my job can be done 100% yeah. remotely, so... Uh, uh, well, I just yeah, mean... It's, it's oh, great no, I have to, have to drive anywhere, but... Yeah, that sucks. No, I mean more yeah. like the fact that like nothing is happening. There's no progression in the normal like in the big world. Like there's no sports. There's no you you watch sports? Like, yeah, and <laughs> skateboarding. Skateboarding league oh, okay. has been shut down. That's that's a real fact. They're still pretending like Formula One is going to happen at some point this yeah. year, and it's definitely not. It took a long time for them to cancel wrestling too. Wrestling just got canceled. Yeah. Wait, no, wrestling yeah. is still going on in the closed stadiums. Yeah, just with. No audience. That, that's yeah. some spectacular clips going around of uh, Stone Cold Steve really Austin. It's really weird. <laughs> it, I mean, it, it feels like an adult swim sketch. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, Getty. Everything's getting shut. With everything shut down, it just kind of feels like everything is stuck in the same time zone. Almost like the Thanos snap. You know, some people came back, and when they came back, they like, I don't think Joel's seen it? that movie yet. Like, no, I oh. did. That's like, that's like one of the two movies I saw that year. <laughs> So because of that, it just seems like nothing is progressing, and therefore I should play all the games that I didn't play so that once everybody comes back and everything's normal again, I'd be like, hey, I, of course I've played Halo. I played Halo years ago. 
It's fine. It's totally cool. So that was our isolation games, which again, we were going to be writing an article about that and, and inviting some of our friends to do it with us. But for now, our next segment, Guest Spot. Guest Spot, where we just talk with our guest and try to get a little feel for what they do as content creators. Pat, you're from a little podcast called Gaming Fix. Yeah, yeah. Um, I say a little podcast game- as in it quadruples to quintuples our listeners <laughs> and triples our size as far as length and followers. Tell us about Gaming Fix. Yeah. I don't even know if we, I don't know if we're, we might be trending down at this point. I'm not even sure anymore uh, in terms of number of listeners. Um, but, uh, but yes, we do, we do like to, to put out a meaty pod uh, despite some internal strife about what, whether that's a good idea or not occasionally. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, we're a, we're a video games podcast. We also, we call ourselves gaming fix because um, the idea is that we could also do other things like comics fix and stuff like that. Like Sam and I, one of the, one of the hosts of gaming fix, um, we started doing, uh, a, po- a comic book show, uh, and then he had a child and that fell off, but we've talked about doing movie fix and music fix and lots of other things. So the idea is that maybe someday we'll have a, a wider range of shows available, but the main show for sure is definitely gaming fix, um, which, um, which we do weekly, we do live recordings of it usually um, that you can find via all of our various channels. We spell it F Y X, which is a SEO thing. There's we don't think we all kind of cringed and rubbed our eyes when that idea came together to use that name, <laughs> um, but uh, it is at least unique. And could, we were able to get a domain. <laughs> you know, I kind of thought that too, and then I got used to it, and I'm like, well, now it just makes sense because that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. To be fair, we uh, GG Radio is a esports podcast that doesn't seem to be producing content but they still own that ip yeah so we kind of tried to 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 pick a name that was somewhat unique um and you know what the the thing is that we we like our our branding so much in terms of like the way that we've used that like develop logos and things so um so it kind of it kind of we think that like the image in the show once you listen to it you realize that we're not like super 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 extreme 90s like fake cool uh use of a weird spelling it's more like pretty just genuine uh seo goals um but we uh we've been recording now for like i guess it's been over two years uh we're coming up on like two and a half years here in a couple of weeks or a couple months so yeah, it's 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 fun to do. I love that team. Did it did it start with you and Sam? No, so it originally started uh, on the Giant Bomb Facebook group. Um, weirdly enough, uh, with um, which is a uh, <laughs> has a strange significance in a lot of our lives. I know for me, um, my uh, my partner and I met via the Giant Bomb Facebook group as well. Who I ended up moving across the country to live with. Um, so uh, I have a lot of reasons to appreciate that group. One of them also is Gaming Fix, which uh, Andre at one point just posted in the group that he was looking for people to record a Game of the Year podcast with, uh, and several people answered, and then he kind of just ended up messaging um, Alex and Allison and Erica and Sam and I 
Uh, and we were like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And then our literal first recording was like a 13 hour long game of the year podcast. Uh, we like basically talked to each other for a couple weeks in a group chat to get prepared for it and then jumped into uh, a, a huge recording session to, to argue about the best games of the year, which was a very weird way to start the show. <laughs> well, yeah, because at that time you, you didn't know them very well, right? So it was like not well at all. Jumping yeah. into a, a big debate about uh, the best game of the year with essentially strangers <laughs> and then trying to learn like, uh, you know, their personalities and what's a joke and what's not. And that could be tough, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a challenge and we had no like designs on at the time there was no big plan to spin it out into its own thing. We didn't have a name. Like we, we called ourselves officially unofficial for a while because it was the unofficial giant bomb Facebook group. <laughs> so, um, we just, the whole point was just to produce content to post in that spot. We weren't even going to like post any of that stuff on our own site. Uh, but then we liked each other a lot out of nowhere and, um, decided to continue to do the, the stuff. I don't even, I, I left the giant bomb Facebook group over some drama, uh, several months after we all met and, uh, never went back and yet i am i'm you know we're obviously still recording the show every week that's awesome i think i'm part of that group i think that's how i might have found you guys at some point hmm. yeah that's totally possible i think that uh alex still posts um new episodes of that group here and there um and there's a lot of really cool people in that group too yeah so yeah so uh how does it feel having an international podcast as you do like you because you guys are so everywhere like uh, someone's in England, someone's in Japan, um, and then other people are like across everywhere, right? Yeah. So the only two people in the same time zone are Alex and I, which is extremely funny because I I live near Seattle, Washington, uh, in the U.S., and Alex lives uh, in um, in Canada, like just over the border. Um, and but we've never actually like hung out because. Um, he, he like to get to where he lives, I have to go like up and then around. So it would be like a pretty long drive to get there. Um, or I could take ferries, but the ferries are kind of expensive and, um, hard to plan because my girlfriend and I have a dog. So it's hard to like plan a time to get away with the dog and everything. So it's funny because Alex and I actually only live as the crow flies, like well, a couple why hours. Why can't apart. Alex come there? Um, he has visited Seattle in the past. He just hasn't really had a great reason to come and visit aside to come and hang out and like ferry for the day to hang out has always been kind of a, like we should do it eventually and we'll get around to it, but it hasn't, hasn't been as, as high a priority. He, uh, he had a lot of like moving around and switching between different jobs and stuff. Uh, so it, there's never seemed to be the best time, but we'll get there eventually. At one point, um, we were, I was, I was on vacation on the Olympic Peninsula, which is like the part of Washington that juts out into the Pacific. And I could see where he lives from across the water. Uh, so I waved very <laughs> vigorously. Um, it was a little too far for him to actually be able to make out a single person, but I told him that I was doing it. Uh, but then, yeah, everybody else is kind of spread out all over the globe. So we have someone, um, who's in, uh, the twin cities area in, in Minnesota, um, and we have someone um, who Erica has kind of uh, she's on when she can be on. She has a lot of commitments outside of uh, podcasts between um, school and family stuff. So she's not on it as frequently now, um, but we all love her and want her to 
come on whenever she can. She's in New York. Um, Sam's in the UK, across the pond. And then Andre is uh, from about three hours south of where I live now, but he, he lives in Japan um, and and uh, and works in schools there. So yeah, we're all over the globe and it's it can be challenging. Um, like right now we record at 6 a.m. on Saturdays my time it Mm it was it was hardcore yeah so uh yeah and and we try to get on even earlier if we can um and then when it comes to recording actual long game of the year stuff it can be pretty challenging because it can be like okay who's gonna be staying up all night this year is usually how it goes um but it's worth it it's because we we get along really well and manage to put together a show we're pretty proud of now uh I, i don't know if that was getty Getty, did you want to ask that question? Uh, I, I wrote it as a joke, but... <laughs> Who would win in a fist fight between you and Alex? P- pick your Alex, See, I too. was trying to come up with answers to this. I saw this I saw this, uh, <laughs> this, this question before we started recording, and I was trying to figure out, like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't so much be whoever the better... Like, if it came down to just who the better fighter was, Alex is in way better shape <laughs> than I am, so that's, that's not a question. Like, I... I have some martial arts training, but like I'm, I, he could definitely kick my ass. But uh, I think it would what would really be is which one of us could surrender faster because neither one of us would want to fight, <laughs> uh, and we would want to not fight so badly that like we'd fall over each other to just let the other one win. So <laughs> it would end up being a pretty sorry right. looking fight, I think. That's awesome. And okay, so you have the game of the year coming. Like, uh, so you're. Do you know who's uh, staying up all night at the end of this year? Do you guys have plans, or what's your front runner even? Oh, we haven't even we haven't even talked about uh, <laughs> any plans for this year. Last year, um, we always do this struggle where we're like trying to figure out when to record it so that we can um, hit as many people as possible in terms of listeners, but then also um, not exclude certain games and then work around everybody's holiday plans. So we'll see what happens this coming year. This year, we did it uh, actually at the beginning of January, and it worked really well. Um, in terms of like favorites, it's tough because we tend to disagree sometimes on criteria mm-hmm. um i'm pretty loose i would love to consider games that came out in 2019 but that none of us got around to for 2020 awards but usually we're pre- everybody else is pretty against that um i know like my personal top 10 list this year so far modern warfare is pretty close to the top just because i've mostly played it this year um but then uh otherwise i I haven't played a ton that is super, super impressive yet. I'm still working through Ori and the Will-O-Wisps. I think that'll probably be pretty high on my list. And uh, I suspect that um, that Legend of Runeterra, if it sees a full release this year, will probably be pretty high on my list as well. Um, but I haven't played anything yet that's like a definite lock for the top of the list. All right. It's early. Yeah. Yeah. Very early. And then, you know, of course, Doom and uh, Animal Crossing. Yeah, I'm interestingly, I'm uh, very... I've never really loved the Animal Crossing before, but I'm going to try it again. I joke about, like, the Nintendo football, which is that, like, every time a new Nintendo game comes out, I always take a run at it, thinking that it's going to be awesome, and then I end up <laughs> being kind of disappointed in it. <laughs> um, uh, it happened last year with Fire Emblem. It happened with Pokemon. Um basically anything that's not Zelda, I end up just getting frustrated because uh, it's not really quite to my taste as much as I was hoping it would be. But I'm going to try it again with, with Animal Crossing. It's preloaded, goes live here in like a half hour. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a shot. Doom is one that uh, I, ha- I 
will play it, but I don't know that I'm going to pick it up tomorrow. We'll see. Uh, I'm I'm interested in it, but also still on the fence as to when I'm going to pick it up. Now, for me, my last question would be, or just a statement. I like that you guys. Whenever I listen to you guys, I'm not listening for like oh. Like, I'm sure some of you guys are going to talk about Doom Eternal and all that stuff, but then it's like, oh, I'm going to talk about this weird anime dating game, or I'm going to talk about this weird little platformer, or I'm going to hear about Trails of Cold Steel for four weeks straight. (laughs) (laughs) Which, which, Don't worry, you're going to continue to hear about Trails of Cold Steel for the next four years straight, if Sam has his way. The funnier part is that each time I hear it, I'm like... He's going to talk about Trails of Cold Steel again. And then I listen to it and be like, I should probably play Trails of Cold Steel. You probably should. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And each time it just kind of pushes me closer and closer where like, I think like, like either I got to stop listening to Game of Fix or I just got to buy Trails of Cold Steel. <laughs> no, I know. I'm in the same boat. I, I'm playing Trails in the Sky right now uh, to eventually to get around to Trails of Cold Steel. But yeah, we, we have a wide range of stuff. I think we have a wide range of tastes. We're all weird and quirky in specific ways. Like, I, I like woke up in a cold sweat last or not last night but the other night thinking like i gotta go and install crusader kings 2 right now um <laughs> and then the next day i'll be all about you know trying to get into the beta for microsoft flight simulator and then alex will be talking about some visual novel and andre will have more destiny news to share so it's like it's, we're really all over the place but i think it works well because um we like each other enough to listen to each other, even when it's a game that <laughs> individuals aren't particularly interested in. Uh, so it works. All right. Well, last question here. How can we follow you? So we are, um, you, you can get to us uh, at fix.space. That's F Y X dot S P A C E. Um, in your web browser, you can search and you can search gaming fix um, on, you know, the Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your your podcasts, uh, and then we are at Fix Podcasts on uh, Twitter, and I want to say on Facebook we're Gaming Fix, but we might be Fix Podcasts there. I don't really log on to Facebook that much anymore, so I don't see it see us there. Um, but yeah, we're everywhere, and if you want to join us live, we always stream pretty much everywhere. We're uh, at um, Fix Podcasts on Twitch as well. Um, but we stream on to Facebook and, um, and a couple other places. If you just follow us on Twitter, you can find information for all that stuff. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, I appreciate it. We love you guys. So it was great to be, to have the opportunity to come on. We're okay for a while. The feelings mutual. (laughs) Don't let these other two fool you. We're just okay. People. (laughs) I I think you're raising us too high. (laughs) Then. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. We're trash people. We're fine. There you go. No, no, fine with the deflection Alex had fine. right there. That's, that's about, yeah. <laughs> you have far more organized episode documents than we do. I, I think that's partially, that. so on that partially metric, my you fault at win. this point. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Okay, let's move on to one last thing. One last thing where we give one last statement, one last sentence, something to send us in the week- into the weekend, and you, the listener, into the weekday. For me... I made Quarren Tacos Monday, then Quarren Beef and Cabbage Tuesday, then ISO Leftovers mm. Wednesday and Thursday. Tomorrow is chicken. It's just chicken. It's, it's bad. Getty? Someone's not Catholic. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> uh, well, Getty. you already wrecked my one last thing. So we got, who put four? <laughs> we have three weeks, three weeks to finish Gears of War. I was trying to give nope, us some leeway. Three weeks. <laughs> it's not a long game. Merciless. Uh, and I think my comment was supposed to, oh yeah, you can play by yourself or with a reluctant spouse. So have fun, guys. I, you know what? I'll introduce it to Beth. Oh, she's going to hate it. Thinks. You know, have you... Okay, so here's a little bit of a a spoiler for it, but the premise behind the game is that the guys who created it were really big into paintball, so that's what Mm -hmm. the the shooting and the combat is like. It's a lot about ducking, it's a lot about hiding, and finding cover. Perfect. Perfect. All right, we'll give that a shot. Joel? I can't wait till that episode so I can just tell you all that Brute Force was better. Huh. (laughs) That was brute force. Uh, my my friend in high school, uh, we spent one summer just playing that game. The full summer. Just I'm just pretty, at least a week of the summer. Uh, maybe it was a rental, but there was like one week where we just hung out in his basement playing that game, ordering pizza, and then we came outside one day, and the sh- light shone so brightly in our eyes that it was just like a sign that we needed to take a break. <laughs> Is that backwards compat anywhere? Oh, I... I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, what's your one last thing? I really hope that Andre and everyone else takes me back so I don't have to play <laughs> Gears of War. Have you never played it? I've played enough. <laughs> <laughs> You've played enough to know. <laughs> this is not bode well for you, Getty. <laughs> and that will be it for this week's Super GG Radio. Before we go, you can find us on Twitter at SuperGGRadio and Twitch.tv slash SuperGGRadio, where... Hold on, I got... What was it called again? Okay, so currently, as we were recording this, there was a live stream of our new streaming show. <laughs> it is called Keeping It Together with Sam and Kevin, where they are... Sam, Kevin Hartwig and his wife are now playing... Uh, Divinity Original Sin 2, sticking to Thursdays from 8 to 10. Uh, that will be archived. That will be continued to be archived. Hold on, uh, hold on. We've been doing we need to work. shout out to Hartwig to ask him to workshop his titles before he throws them out there. He was pretty dead set, but let me tell hey, you. Alex, what was the... Uh, yeah, Matrimony, was... Matrimony Original Sin? Yeah. That's better. We workshopped that before the show. That That simple. If you'd like to reach us with questions or input, our email address is superggradio at gmail.com and provide a review on iTunes or the quarantine poster of your choice. Thanks for listening. GG Pat. Thanks, guys. GG Joel. Good game. GG. GG Getty.